The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. someone you know has a child with autism in their family, answers and support can be hard to come by. Welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio with host Dr. Bill Freya. We will offer practical information for parents of children of all ages, as well as explore treatment topics and recent research related to autism. Now, here is Dr. Bill Freya. Welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. I'm Dr. Bill Freya, your host for the hour. I'm a clinical psychologist who's worked with children and families for nearly 25 years. I'm the co-founder of Autism Spectrum Therapies, a national agency providing resources and services to individuals of all ages who are living with autism spectrum disorders, as well as other developmental issues. We are now in our second week of National Autism Awareness Month. I know that awareness campaigns can be easily overlooked. There always seems to be so many of them out there. But I also know that any parent of a child with autism who has had to navigate a public tantrum has had some experience with confused or judgmental glances, possibly a critical comment or two. I believe the Autism Awareness Campaign is important as it reminds us all to share information and welcome questions from those who might not know. Awareness and information also encourages those outside the autism community to support important legislation and needed resources that can help address issues such as funding clinical services, adult transition services, independent living and employment, all those. And and if, if you can please join those in your community who are sharing autism awareness this month, I think it can make a huge difference. I really encourage you to do that. Today we're going to be discussing issues of raising a child with autism, and we are going to have an outstanding parent and advocate. Judy Mark is going to join us for the discussion. I know that Judy will have a lot to bring to the conversation. She is not only familiar with politics and policymaking, she is also the parent of a child with autism, and she is also an inspiring uh, advocate. Before we talk with Judy, I wanted to remind you that for the next month, AST is giving individuals a platform to celebrate parents who love, advocate, and care for someone with autism. In honor of National Autism Awareness Month, AST would like to recognize the unsung heroes of autism. Do you know a parent of a child with autism who deserves to be recognized? I bet you do. We want to hear about it. So, For more information, you can go to the AST Facebook page. You can search Autism Therapies. We'll have 20 contest winners who will receive a spa day or a gift certificate worth about $200. Also, I want to encourage you, as always, to reach out to us with your questions for our guests on our Facebook page. Let us know what's on your mind, uh, what questions you would like to have answered. I can try to address those as many as I can during the show. You can also just email your questions to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Uh, as you know, we have some premier experts in the field of autism coming up on 
next uh, next several weeks. It's a great opportunity for you to get some information. So check out our website, look at their bios, and see if there are some questions you might have for them. As I said, today we're going to be talking about issues that families may deal with when they have a child with autism. It is always difficult trying to discuss issues of raising a child with autism because there's obviously no one story. Families are different in so many ways, and their children are different in so many ways. And while parents can be different in how they manage their stressors, uh, and there are many of them that come with raising a child with autism, uh, there are some general themes that I think are fair to say most families share. Uh, I've personally done family therapy with families dealing with different struggles for some time. And the resources they have may be different, and the level of support available to them in different ways can be very different. But raising a child with autism is certainly never easy, and they share some similar challenges. Uh, And here's something that that I've seen quite a bit. Uh, Parents tend to try to separate their child from the autism, and that's important. That's good. And they love their child. They have hopes for their child like any parent does. But the autism is stressful, and the autism is frustrating. Their child has autism, but their child is not autism. In some regards, their child may be defined by aspects of their autism, but in many, many respects, the family appreciates the individual that their child is. And there's always this struggle, this dichotomy, and families will define that struggle in different ways, of course, and and they're doing so, looking at this dichotomy, under the context of extreme stress at different stages. So when I think of common themes, most households that have a child with autism are under different amounts of stress. It's it's hard to maintain routines. I mean, routines are important for all of us uh, raising kids. We need to have those those meal routines, bedtime re- routines, getting ready for school. Those uh, routines are hard to maintain and uh, often disrupted. And also, it's sometimes hard for siblings to get their needs met. The sibling issues are, are enormous for, for families raising children with autism. Uh, and it's difficult for mom and dad to support each other as well, to take that breath and that time and be on the same page. There's an 80% divorce rate for parents of children with autism, and that's really that's really big. It's, it's due to stress, mostly. It's significant, and the stress is ongoing. Now, professionals have tried to define or describe how parents cope with stress, and they've done it in different ways. Uh, when we think in very broad terms of what it means to have a child with autism, professionals uh, think of... Uh, the the process as an event. But it's not an event. It's an ongoing process with new issues unfolding along the way. Often, when you read about parent issues, you see reference to the five stages of coping. This comes from the grief literature, and it's been generalized over and over to the process of accepting having a a child with autism. Uh, And it's been presented in different forms, but generally there are these five stages of, of coping that are referenced a lot. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. So denial upon receiving the diagnosis and anger with the struggle of not having the child that you imagined you were going to have and a bargaining stage as you attempt to recreate the reality of what lies ahead and depression as you deal with that reality and acceptance as you overcome and begin to to work towards defining your new goals. The monkey wrench in that theory is that it was developed based on coping with loss or grief, coping with a, an event. It doesn't tell the whole story. Yes, many parents may go through those phases as they learn to, to better cope with the diagnosis, but 
I think it's more appropriate to, to think of uh, the parenting experience as being cycling through the coping process as the autism story unfolds for the family. It's not just, okay, my child has autism, I'm going to learn about it, I'm going to do the best I can, uh, because the, the issues change as the child grows up, uh, changing issues across the lifespan. I just want to mention some of these stages that uh, that families go through, because uh, I think they're critical for us in terms of awareness and understanding. There's managing the diagnosis, of course, but but then comes the growing concerns about development, about speech and play and behavior, and, and learning about the treatment options that families need to need to study and, and and be aware of, and then managing receiving treatment. That's a, that's a huge transition because you might have providers in your home, you might be driving to your your speech appointments, OT, uh, behavior, uh, medical appointments, nutritionists. There might be parent training, parent education, that you have to learn new strategies of, of dealing with uh, behavior possibly or, or just teaching your child how to talk and do the things that you're trying to get done day to day. And then comes school. Preparing for school is an enormous stressor. We talked about it last week, uh, maybe getting to know special education, the child's first IEP, and just understanding that process and helping your child be in the right place at school. And once they're in school, you're worrying about making friends. How are peers accepting them as they're teasing? And sometimes bullying. We'll be talking about bullying next week. It's it's a major issue for a lot of families. And then you're dealing with building independence, thinking about the future as a child is advancing through school. And soon comes puberty, adolescence. It's never easy for any child, but especially hard for those uh, with autism spectrum disorders. Soon come the teen years. Uh, what will he or she be interested in? What will they do? Is high school uh, doing well for him? Uh, is he getting the needs that his needs met the way that we hope uh, a child preparing for adulthood is? And that transition to adulthood is just enormous. Uh, thinking about all those big, big life-changing issues. Uh, employment. What does he like to do? What will he be successful at? Where will he live? How will he live independently? How will he get around? Be a member of the community? What, how do we define what the community membership will mean for him or her? And will they build relationships and have the relationships that they need to nurture and satisfy them? So when we think of the stages of coping, denial, anger, depression, uh, they tend to be revisited at e as each of these new challenging stages of life present themselves. I think it's interesting uh, that, related to these stages of coping, how our society, our community, is going through these stages of acceptance. As we're moving through stages of denial right now, as autism, it's in the news a lot. Uh, people are adjusting to the new numbers, the epidemic, the 1 in 88 births. Um, uh, there's denial around that. Is that real? Uh, there's some anger as, uh, the, as the epidemic has put pressure on school budgets, insurance companies, the state budgets are struggling. There's anger about why that's happening and bargaining that goes with that. Bargaining is starting to take place as politicians and organizations discuss how to pay for the costs. There's bargaining in the community and with uh, business and other entities uh, as they see growing inclusion, participation by individuals with autism that they're learning about. And soon we're going to see this, the stages that are analogous to the depression and acceptance uh, stages as we come to realize that autism is not going away. These kids are growing up. They're part of our community. The community needs to accept it, adjust, accommodate, eventually appreciate 
the need to, to embrace all these individuals. So we'll be talking about how parent advocacy is a major part of that on today's show. I mean, one important fact is that families manage in different ways. You cannot describe a parent raising a child with autism. Uh, their perspectives are their own. Their internal and external resources are different. How they are supported by their family is a huge factor. The, the support of their religious community can be significant. Finding critical support networks in the autism community can also be a major factor. And their perspective on autism can be very, very different. Uh, let me share something that I've witnessed over and over again, where groups of parents are discussing their experiences with raising their child and resources and things they've gone through. And one parent will share that ultimately the autism was a gift in some ways. as It made him or her a better parent or a better person, more patience, more perspective. And often hear another parent be outraged and say that autism is not a gift, it's a curse. And, and they would have never asked for for the life that they, they have. So most parents are probably in, in the middle there, but most families are coping the best that they can, feeling that, that they have maybe gained patience and perspective on life, uh, but are still under tremendous stress and worry and struggling with that. Uh, most get to a point where they're able to see some some blessing and, and, and embrace those blessings, uh, but uh, can't stress enough that we have to appreciate that we can't generalize about what it means to have a child with autism. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we'll be back with our guest, Judy Mark. You won't want to miss this conversation. Uh, that's for sure. It'll be full of great information and advice to parents from a very experienced and passionate parent advocate. Uh, before we break, I'd like to thank some of the sponsors that make Autism Spectrum Radio possible. Uh, Autism Training Solutions, uh, BDO, Centerbeam, Code Metro. Uh, we're thankful for all of the sponsors who uh, help us. Uh, each uh, each week. So when we come back, we'll be welcoming Judy Mark with a discussion of parent advocacy, and we'll be back right after this message. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Need to replace aging IT infrastructure? Want a way to scale IT resources on demand? looking for affordable disaster recovery alternatives, then maybe the cloud is for you. If you aren't sure where or how to start, Centerbeam can help. Over the past decade, we've moved hundreds of clients to the cloud and for a limited time are offering a 25% discount on a cloud readiness assessment. It includes detailed recommendations for your transition to the cloud and is yours to keep. Call 877-710-8880 or visit centerbeam.com forward slash voice America. Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio with Dr. Bill Freya. At AST, we are committed to supporting families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. Call us today to let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Autism Spectrum Therapies, creating futures for individuals with autism. Visit AutismTherapies.com or call 866-278-1520. Everyone deserves a life filled with happiness, confidence, and achievements. 
Code Metro, developers of NPA Works Business Management Software, is proud to partner with Autism Spectrum Therapies and its efforts in creating futures for individuals with autism. To fulfill our duties, we promise a special needs product that helps organizations operate efficiently, providing them with a business system that evolves as rapidly as they do. The results? A streamlined practice to help maintain quality services. Discover how we help businesses succeed at NPAWorks.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio with Dr. Bill Freya. If you have a question or comment for the host or guests, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm Dr. Bill Freya. And I would like to welcome our guest today, Judy Mark. Judy has been active in the nonprofit community for the past 30 years. In recent years, she has worked uh, with many autism service organizations, including Leaps and Bounds, Chris Camp. She's currently the Government Relations Chair of the Autism Society of Los Angeles and doing a great job at that. She has given a lot to her community and more broadly. Uh, so we, she's also raising a 15-year-old son with autism as well as a 12-year-old daughter. Uh, so we'd like to welcome you, Judy. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's great to have you. I, I know this is a big question to start with, uh, but please tell us a little bit about your son and, and your story with autism. Well, I have a son named Joshua who is now 15 years old. He was diagnosed with autism officially at about two and a half years old, although we saw signs very early on when he was an infant. Um, we were living in the Washington, D.C. area at the time where they actually had very limited services for him um, and relocated to Los Angeles where the, there were just a lot more opportunities for him to grow and there were more schools. And um, he's kind of, he was born in 1997, which is sort of the year that the giant increase in the numbers of, of kids with autism started becoming clear. Um, so it's always been kind of tough because when... You know, we needed a preschool. There weren't a lot of preschools. When we needed a elementary school, there weren't a lot of programs. And now he's in high school where, once again, there aren't a lot of programs. And we're now facing adulthood where there is just this giant um, hole, black hole that a lot of uh, young people with autism are falling into. But it, it's it's been a long journey, and it's been um, it's certainly not over. It's not going to be over for a long time, and he has a long way to go. But he has made uh, really tremendous progress over the years, and, and we're quite hopeful for the future. Right. And at, at 15, uh, I, I would assume you're, you're dealing with the issues of teenage, and you're, and you're, and you're thinking about the future. What, what concerns do you have as he gets older? Well, my, I live and breathe every day about these concerns um, and the concerns for other kids who are growing up, and the programs are really limited. What what I'm finding, at least in Los Angeles, and, and as I talk to people around the country, it seems to uh, be similar around the country, is that there are, um, because the increase in autism is, is we're just seeing them 
move into adulthood. Um, the programs that exist out there for adults with developmental disabilities are, are not really, um, do not have large populations with autism in their programs. So even though they may be quite good programs, they're not really, uh, they're not really ready yet to deal with maybe some of the behavioral issues, some of the communication issues that, that adults with autism have, um, and some of the social issues as well. Um, you are also seeing at the same time programs that have worked with children with autism over many, many years um, who, uh, you know, started with preschools and then they, as the, the children, as their students grew up, they started expanding more and more. Um, and now they want to start working with adults with autism, but they actually know nothing about adults and the range of special services and funding mechanisms that exist for adults, um, as well as employment training and uh, life skills. And so, you know, my goal is to really try to look at where my son can uh, really meet his greatest potential, trying to mix the people who are experts in autism with the people who are experts on adults with developmental developmental disabilities and try to create a program for him that will um, allow him to really realize his dreams. Right, yeah. And certainly our agency went through that evolution as we have served more and more adults, and uh, it, it is a learning curve. I, I, I do agree. Uh, what about the community aspect? I know that at you know in teenage and going to high school, you start to think about navigating the community and some of those uh, opportunities of building independence and getting to know the community better? Yeah, I, it's it's been very important for us to have our son living a life, even as a kid, that we hope that he'll live as an adult. And what I think a lot of parents of autistic kids forget is that even if their child is only seven, eight, nine years old, they need to be taking them out and giving them a full range of experiences in their life because if for kids with autism oftentimes it takes a lot more interaction, a lot more exposure, um, because they don't often learn by osmosis. And so, um, you know, I've always made sure, even when my son had the most severe behaviors, we always tried to make sure that we exposed him to as much as he could handle in the community um, and not to give in to the autism. So, for example, if, if, if somebody has a child who doesn't like loud noises, I would start by exposing them to medium-level no- noises and, you know, to try to desensitize them because eventually when they're an adult, they can't live such a secluded life that they never are exposed to anything that is loud. Um, in a, they also have to have cultural competency. They have to know what current music is. Um, by the time your kid's a teenager, they shouldn't still be watching, um, you know, Sesame Street and children's shows. Um, we do a lot of talking with our son, who would really prefer to be watching Dora the Explorer every day. We do a lot of talking about what is a baby show and what is a big boy TV show, and we try to you know, expose him to uh, non-cartoons and other programs that uh, a 15-year-old would watch and that he could talk about with um, his peers. And so, uh, you know, I, I, it also we've been spending a lot of time on clothing with our son. You know, already my son looks very different because of his autism. His mannerisms, his, the way he walks his gait is very wide. Um, but we make sure that he dresses in... Um, the kind of clothing that 15-year-olds wear and that he, you know, he would prefer, he loves Disney, he'd prefer to wear a Mickey Mouse shirt every day, but we'd tell him, no, you know, try to wear a shirt that a, uh, a 15-year-old wear. And he's really, really starting to get it. And I, and I also talk to him as if he is a 15-year-old, even though developmentally is much more delayed, 
it is really important to talk about what are you going to do? What do you want to do when you grow up? What, how do you want to behave? What, what kind of job would you want? And, and to, because I really feel that if you keep talking to them about it and you keep preparing and setting up a path for their future, they can achieve it. It, it may take a lot longer, but I, I know that they, that, that my son has a future of having a job and, and starting to support himself and having a network of friends. Right. You know, I want to, want to ask you this question. Uh, I'm was having this discussion. I'm on the uh, board for LA Autism Speaks, and we were having this wonderful discussion of people sharing experiences of parents they know using communal approaches for adulthood. And I know that, I know that you have researched this quite a bit. I'd love to hear what you've learned and, and what you're exploring. So uh, about four, four and a half years ago, I was in Israel for a personal reason for, to, to uh, go to see family. And, I, um, and before I left, I found out that a friend's brother worked at a kibbutz in northern Israel that specifically um, that, that all of the residents were adults with developmental disabilities and that, he, that, that my friend's brother was a social worker there. And I went and said, well, you know, I really want to see what this looks like. Um, you know, in the kibbutz movement, uh, which is, you know, 100 years old in Israel, um, it is about socialism and it is about shared rights and responsibilities. Um, so people work together, but they all share in the rewards of the different businesses that they run within the kibbutz. And I went and saw this, and it was really a miraculous place. It was a... Um, you know, they had 18 micro-enterprises, everything from building boutique children's furniture that they shipped to the U.S. to raising championship schnauzer dogs that they shipped throughout <laughs> Europe. And they had an organic farm. They even had a TV station. And wow. um, the adults got to choose which business they worked in. Some of them didn't stay um, on the kibbutz all day. Some of them went and worked out in the community. The community would come in. They, they could leave at any time. It was... Um, there was a lot of freedom, although there was a lot of responsibility as well um, by living there. And it wasn't completely self-supporting. However, um, the, the government assisted, and they're, uh, you know, in, in keeping the – and they had a lot of fundraising. It's a nonprofit. Um, right. and, and if anybody's interested in looking into it, it's called Kishorit, K-I-S-H-O-R-I-T dot org. They can, they can read about it. There are many other places like that in Israel as well. And I think that there's a movement starting – in the United States, of looking for that kind of communal experience. The, I think that um, the, the pushback on it is that back, uh, you know, 30, 40 years ago, many adults with developmental disabilities and with autism lived in institutions. It was a child would get diagnosed and parents were told there's no hope for your child and they would immediately put them in a state hospital. Those state hospitals look extremely different than, than the communal experiences that a lot of parents are talking about today. Um, th- those were, you know, they were locked in. They were there was barbed wire. There was no freedom of movement, um, and there was very little therapy going on. Judy, uh, can you give us, some, give us some? Give us some. Could you give us some examples of what you're seeing here in in America so, that approximate? So I, there, there are some farms and ranches around the country that have been start that either have existed for a little while or that are being built. Um, that where uh, so if if you're an adult who protect, perhaps likes animals and caring for animals and working in a farm type setting, that's a great setting because um, these are farms that are that really run as a business and that these that folks who live there can exist in that way. Um, I was just in Maui in Hawaii, and there's an organization called the La Akea Foundation which has been able to get 
funding um, and land donated from the state of Hawaii, and they are building a really incredible uh, communal uh, uh place where they're going to house both the staff and their families as well as the adults with developmental disabilities. They will run a farm and other kinds of micro-enterprises. Um, and, it, you know, it's a combination of public and private financing that's going into it. Um, wow. uh, so, I, you know, I, I know that it's happening. There's, there's uh, ones in California and there are ones on the East Coast as well, um, and new ones are being built. My caution to um, I personally want to support everything that's out there, and because there's clearly not enough. And my feeling is, let a thousand flowers bloom. My caution is that um, you have to look at long-term sustainability for a community like this, and to have all of the money coming from private funding, I think is 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 really difficult for the long term. And there needs sure. to be a partnership with some public funds, with with federal and state funding, if you want to have a long-term sustainability for these companies. Right, right. It's not an inexpensive, inexpensive no, it, uh, venture at all. incredibly. You're talking millions of dollars to house right. not a lot of people. and so that, We're going to need to go to a break really quick. Okay. And um, when we come back, we'll pick up and maybe you can give us a website or two that people can, uh, can go explore. So we'll take a quick break and we'll be back with Judy Mark in just a second. Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health and Wellness. At Autism Training Solutions, we know what it's like to work with children with autism. And we know what professional development can do for a school, a child, and a family. That is why we want to give 50 schools in the U.S. access to ATS professional development for a whole year. All you need to do is tell us how ATS would make a difference for your team in a one-minute video or a 500-word essay. For a complete set of rules, visit AutismTrainingSolutions.com backslash contest. Shepard Mullen Richter in Hampton is a proud supporter of Autism Spectrum Therapies. Shepard Mullen is a full-service law firm with more than 570 attorneys in 14 offices located in the United States, Europe, and Asia. Companies turn to Shepard Mullen to handle corporate and technology matters high-stakes litigation, and complex financial transactions. For more information, please visit shepherdmullen.com. BDO is dedicated to service, from serving our clients to serving the communities in which we live and work. Through BDO Counts, our national corporate volunteer program, employees across the country volunteer their time, talent, and resources for the good of local communities. And now, BDO is proud to support Autism Spectrum Therapies. We believe in doing our best to make the world a little better. That's why people who know community involvement know BDO. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio with Dr. Bill Freya. If you have a question or comment for the host or guests, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. This is Dr. Bill Freya talking with our guest today, Judy Mark, a parent and advocate. And, you know, Judy, one of the things that is a major topic for families is deciding what course of uh, treatment intervention supports to go. And uh, a lot of times, 
there aren't many options, but sometimes there are options, but parents aren't given the choices that they should. This issue of self-determination is something that you've looked into a lot, and it's a passion of yours. Can you tell us a little bit about what self-determination means? Yes, absolutely. Self-determination is allowing individuals with developmental disabilities, particularly autism, um, as well as their families, to be able to choose their own future. And that means that you can't look at, at, at specific therapies and say one size fits all. Um, as they say, you met one person with autism, you met one person with autism. And therefore, um, if you have a program where parents uh, of young children and then adults with developmental disabilities get to determine their own future, it, 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 they are so empowered. And I actually think that... It, that if you can control some of the funds that are given to you, then I think your outcomes are going to be much better. So, for example, um, we are working in the state of California, and many states have what's called self-determination. I know that Michigan has an excellent program. Minnesota has it. Many states have it. California um, has had a pilot project, and we're hoping to turn it um, into a statewide program that allows families the choice of, of having, uh, being part of a self-determination program, which means that when public dollars are provided to the child or adult with autism, they can choose what kinds of services they need as long as they keep within the budget of the funds that they are given. So, right. for example, if um, you decide that horseback riding therapy is really critical to the child and the funding, the government funding sources are not willing to pay for that. If you are part of self-determination, you can say, I want my limited amount of funds to go towards horseback riding and not to go towards social skills training, let's say. Um, you, you can make, you can determine those things. It, for adults, it's even that much more crucial because some adults may decide, I don't want to be part of a traditional day program that ha- that doesn't give me any future. I want to have very specific job training to learn how to work on a computer and to be able to target me towards a very specific job because perhaps I, you know, I'm not going to be able to work in a large office setting and maybe I could do some of this computer work at home. And you could give those funds to get that specific job training. You know, it allows you to have a, uh, to really take control of your life and of your future and, um, instead of some government bureaucrat saying, no, this doesn't work for me, or yes, this works for me. Um, and I actually think it's the wave of the future. The, I hear a lot of criticism from parents about why, you know, I, if I only had funding for my kid, I know that they could get better. And, you know, I'm so tired of being told no over and over again. And self-determination is the answer. Um, and I, and I'm, I'm working with a lot of parents around the state as well as a lot of organizations to pass a law in the state of California called AB 1244, Assembly Bill 1244, which we're hoping will pass this year, which will allow families like ours as well as other families to be able to determine the future of our own children and they can determine it themselves as they become adults. Wow. Now, system change generally requires advocates like you motivating people, motivating families to to get involved, to speak up, to activate. How do you get parents to understand the importance of any policy or legal project you may be working on? You know, it's not easy. It's Parents live, or li- many parents with kids who have um, severe uh, problems with autism and, and are very impacted are living day to day. I know, I've been there. My son was extremely severe 
um, and remains really in the moderate to severe uh, range. He was very, very aggressive. He was self-injurious. He was um, had limited limited verbal skills. Um, he, our entire family, lived years in in a state of crisis. And during that time, quite honestly, I could not have been involved in public policy. I could not have been going to a lot of meetings and running conferences because I was living day-to-day just trying to get through each moment. And um, what we did to get through that, honestly, to, to give advice to parents is if, if you're in such a state of crisis, it means that the program that you have for your child is just not working, and you really need to throw everything out and look and assess what needs to happen. And we did that, and we put in a, a you know great behavioral therapy in place, and we got the right medical intervention and the right doctors, and, um, and we used traditional methodologies and the tried and true, the things that had been researched and really um, were very consistent and followed through on everything, and we have now been able to move past that, and our son is doing much better. Um, I, I now am so grateful for the parents who came before me who fought for every right, you know, the a mere 30 years ago, 40 years ago, our children did not have a right to go to school. Our children did, had no rights to live in, in our communities. And every right that my child has today is because a parent who came before me gave him that right. And so I feel obligated now to take it to the next level, to say now that we have such a gigantic number, if one in 88 children are, have autism spectrum disorder, we are talking that one in 88 adults in a mere Five years will have will have autism spectrum disorder, and we are not prepared for that. And so, I feel um, a responsibility to the parents who are today and tomorrow getting a diagnosis for their child to say we need to build these programs for adult, for adults. We need to create self determination, and I really encourage other parents who to step away, to step outside themselves and realize that everything you've been able to do for your child is because a parent came before you and got those rights for them. It doesn't mean that you can drop everything you're doing basically like I did and get involved so much. I understand not everybody has that capability. But it does mean that you can go to meetings, you can write letters to your members of Congress or your state legislators to say we need to have health insurance reform to ensure that insurance companies pay for behavioral therapy, that my child has a right, my child has a developmental disorder, and my child has the same right to health care that any child who has any other disability. There are more kids with autism than there are kids with cancer. So my child has the same rights that that child has to health interventions. And so, you know, I, I just really encourage families to think beyond who their child is because anything that you do for other children will ultimately come back to benefit your own child. Right. Well said. You know, we're, we're dealing now with possibly some, some historical uh, budget deficit and crises, and everything is getting hit so hard. What are, do you believe the biggest risks are at this time with the budget, budget cuts? Are there some, of the, some things you think are, are, are more at risk than others? Well, we're in a very dangerous time. In California, we have a law called the Lanterman Act, which is a revolutionary law you know, compared to most of the United States. Um, we, there was a law that was passed, um, three or four decades ago that said that a, ch- uh, a child or an adult with, with a developmental disability has the right to live 
the way a person would live who doesn't have a developmental disability. That means that they can live in the least restrictive environment in the community with their parents when they're children in the community when they're adults, have the same level of, of participation in churches and synagogues, in recreational programs, in social programs. Um, and that law is under siege right now because of budget cuts. Um, it, it, no one has said we're getting rid of the law, but because the budgets have been so substantially cut here in California, the budgets for developmentally disabled individuals have been cut every year for the past four years so substantially that it barely is recognizable now. And, um, you know, the, it used to be that kids with autism could get summer camp support, financial support, they could get recreational therapy, they could get gymnastics, um, they could, and now it, there is so, there are so limited funds for what a fam, to support a family that families are falling apart. Um, we are seeing, you know, the divorce rate is already Eighty percent among parents of kids with autism. We are now seeing families fall apart at higher levels. We are seeing in the state of California in the last three weeks alone, we have had a woman, a mother of a young man, a 22-year-old with autism in in Northern California, kill her son and then kill herself because she was so desperate. He had he was 22 and he had aged out of the school system and she had no place to put him. She had no program for him. She was so desperate. Just last week in San Diego, we had a mother of a four-year-old who felt so desperate and didn't know how to deal with her son's extreme behaviors. She drowned her son and then tried to kill herself. She is now in prison probably for the rest of her life. We are seeing the desperation of parents, and part of this is coming from the budget cuts that we were seeing because services are being cut back so substantially, and we're going to, and it keeps getting worse. And, you know, so I, I'm I implore people to get involved and to try to fight these cuts in the state of California as well as around the country. We're seeing cuts from the federal level as well. We're seeing cuts to Medicaid. We're seeing cuts to uh, special education. So, And the school systems are being, you know, remember, one out of 88 kids have autism, which means the school systems are being overstressed um, trying to educate these students. Um, so, you know, if, if we don't, deal with this now, it's going to cost so much more in the long run with these, uh, when these folks become adults. And, you know, so I really, I encourage everyone to get involved and to fight these cuts. I, I think it's a bipartisan issue, by the way. I know, I have talked to Republicans who have said, I don't want the budget to be cut when we're talking about people with developmental disabilities. The government, even people who want a limited role of government, believe that this is the place where government should be involved. So whether you are, uh, you are in a Republican district or a Democratic district, I really urge you to get involved and try to cut these kind of funds. Get rid of these cuts and funds. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that people don't really realize how much money can be saved by having the right resources in place. And the studies that have been done on that are compelling. I mean, you, you can't argue that if you cut resources for early intervention, you're going to be spending a lot more money in schools. If you cut if you cut back on programs in general, you're going to be dealing with an adult population who is not as independent as needs to be, and the money that goes into that is the most expensive of anything for developmental disabilities is, is caring for them in adulthood. Well, Judy, your, your passion is c- 
contagious. And I think that I can see uh, why you were such a successful advocate. And I, too, encourage people to get involved to uh, at least write the letters and make the phone calls. And as you mentioned, AB 1244 is a good example. So uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And I hope that people learned more about parent issues and advocacy. We're going to be right back with more discussion of those issues in just a moment. Helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. Parents of special needs individuals want to know if the care their loved ones are receiving is the best possible. We at Code Metro, developers of NPA Works, business management software for special needs providers, understand the unique necessities of running a successful organization. NPA Works helps free providers of tedious tasks like scheduling and insurance billing. Ensure your clinic is maximizing the time they give to your loved one. Ask if they use NPA Works. Visit us at npaworks.com to see how we can help. If you are considering how cloud computing might benefit your business, CenterBeam's Cloud Readiness Assessment can help. Our track record includes over a decade of service delivery experience, and our customer satisfaction leads the industry. We've moved hundreds of clients to the cloud and can help you identify the best strategy for your business. Call today to get a 25% discount on your assessment, 877-710-8880. The assessment is yours to keep and will provide specific insight into how the cloud can work for you. Call 877-710-8880 or visit centerbeam.com forward slash voice America. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio with Dr. Bill Freya. If you have a question or comment for the host or guests, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. And I want to thank Judy Mark for sharing her amazing knowledge, insight, and passion with us. It was a great interview, and I hope you learned something from it. A couple of things I took away. I mean, there's been so many active discussions recently about the communal approaches to supporting teens and adults with autism. And many of the -the out-of-the-box thinkers in the autism community are creating brilliant arguments of how this can be done. And in many cases, it's being done. Uh, Judy mentioned a couple of those. So related to Autism Awareness Month, this is... uh, a topic that speaks volumes about how far behind we are in planning for the aging epidemic when we're you know, looking to communal opportunities. Uh, not, to, not that they are desperate and bad, but just that you know, it, it's, a, it's an interesting place to go when, there, when there's nothing else. Uh, today's discussion about self-determination was a personally important one for me, something that I've been involved with in different ways. There is a broad and varied literature on choice in the autism and developmental literature. Choice is critical at every level of development in every aspect of treatment and care, for sure. Self-determination of treatment options is one very important aspect of that, and uh, Judy described that eloquently. Before we go, I want to address a couple of brief topics that I think are critical when we are thinking about raising a child with autism. Uh, 
these are two issues that I hope will spark conversations for you during Autism Awareness Month. The first issue is the lack of support families get for helping their pre-adolescent children. Uh, professionals have a lot to say about early intervention, and there's a lot offered in school and uh, transition to adulthood. We have a schema for that, but we need to have a label for what it means to prepare for independence. You know, in the age, somewhere around the age of 11 or fifth grade, we need to have a focus on building independence. We need a name for it, a curriculum for it, a campaign to get it done. Basically, we can't wait until high school to start considering how we are going to prepare the student for the community, uh, for independent living goals, employment interests, and skills. There needs to be a longer runway for our kids. Uh, these students are often struggling uh, when they're in high school and uh, for, for reasons that there just aren't the right tools and supports for them. They're not the right education for independence. So let's consider how we can balance academic needs and the critical needs to prepare early for independence in adulthood. And the second topic I want to leave you thinking about is the process of diagnosis. And this is kind of a touchy one. I, I was watching the Today Show recently one morning when, when the topic was the new prevalence numbers that we discussed here today, 1 in 88 births. And a professional stated that parents need to start looking for autism earlier, as if the delay in getting a diagnosis and starting treatment is the parent's fault. I was kind of shocked to hear that. I, you know, I think the issue is uh, one with pediatricians that we should be talking about. I think that some pediatricians need to be more brave in discussing developmental issues early and honestly with parents, uh, parents of two-year-olds or younger when they see something. Waiting until the third-year checkup, as some do, is shameful. Critical early intervention is missed. Um, pediatricians are the first line when it comes to addressing early development concerns, early diagnosis for families. So I was really shocked to hear a respected professional put blame and responsibility on the parents' shoulders. And I thought we were, I thought we were kind of past that in autism history, but seeing it creeping up again was a little startling to me. Uh, you know, in different forms, pediatric pediatricians have openly discussed that they're concerned that mentioning autism to, uh, to a parent would result in them not getting their child vaccines. And that, that may be an issue for some families. But I think it should be their decision and not a, a fact that leads to delayed diagnosis. So let's talk about early diagnosis and early intervention during Autism Awareness Month as well. It's an important goal for, for everyone. Uh, hopefully, uh, you've appreciated the glimpse at some different parent issues today. Next week, our guest will be Dr. Robert Horner as we discuss behavioral supports and school issues. He is uh, famous in this area, issues of uh, uh, school behavior and bullying. I think he'll have a lot to share with us. So for anyone planning events uh, for Autism Awareness Month, I do want to remind you of a couple of great walks that are coming up. The Los Angeles Walk Now for Autism Speaks is on April 21st at the Rose Bowl. And then across the country on the same day, Autism Society of New Orleans is having their walk. Uh, Autism Spectrum Therapies will have a booth at both of them, and I hope you'll stop by and say hi. For information about upcoming events in your area, be sure to look at the AST Facebook page, Autism Therapies, as well as the calendar section on our website, autismtherapies.com. One uh, note I wanted to make, my uh, wife and I just ended an exhausting week of spring break, having fun with our three little ones, and it reminded me that summer is approaching and uh, we had a lot of fun with spring break. It was also nice to have the kids go back to school. Uh, I wanted to mention that Autism Spectrum Therapies is now accepting registration for camp. 
We have a fantastic program in several of our locations, and I encourage you to sign up early. Space is always limited, and you can see pictures and read about those programs on our website, autismtherapies.com. Again, my thanks to Judy Mark for being with us today. Uh, You know, for uh, additional resources and support, I always invite you to uh, read my blog on Autism Therapies website, autismtherapies.com, and to utilize some of the other resources that we have on there. Uh, One of the things that we have worked hard on is developing tip sheets. So if you go into our parents section, you'll see tip sheets on different areas that uh, parents have asked for more information in in a simple form. And I think that uh, that's a good place to, to start when you're looking for solutions to some of the simpler problems. I do also want to mention one more resource uh, we haven't really talked as much about, uh, but especially for, for parents whose uh, child was recently diagnosed, I encourage you to get the 100-day kit at autism at the Autism Speaks website, autismspeaks.org. Uh, when you go on that site, there's a Family Services tab. And under that will be a list of different toolkits. The 100-day kit is an important one for newly diagnosed families. Uh, a lot of outstanding professionals uh, went in to, uh, to look at the key issues that families receive uh, for the diagnosis and, and respond to those. And so the 100 days is basically the first 100 days that you're, that you're going through. Uh, the experience. There are also some other toolkits on there uh, that uh, address school issues, uh, adult issues, and I think that's an important one for you to look at as well. Uh, I'd love to thank our sponsors for uh, their support with us uh, throughout uh, Autism Spectrum Radio and all of the appearances we're having and bringing some great, some great guests on board. And uh, those include Code Metro as well as Autism Training Solutions and B, uh, BDO and uh, Centerbeam. Uh, these are folks that uh, know the importance of getting information out to families and they have supported us in making this show possible. So uh, until we meet again next week, have a great one. Uh, I want to encourage you to look at the bios of the folks that are coming on over the next few weeks and get some get some questions to us early so that I can include them when I'm talking to those. Next week in particular, if you have any questions about how behavior is managed in a larger school system and how bullying is managed, if you have experiences with bullying uh, for your child at school or if you know how your school is dealing with that, I'd love to hear it. My, my children have a, positive, a school-wide positive behavior support plan in their school that has been incredibly successful. And, you know, I see my child, uh, my children coming home uh, with the uh, rewards for good behavior. And I also see how uh, positive behavior is supported and challenging behavior is dealt with. It's, uh, it's a system-wide issue that Dr. Robert Horner has, has helped develop along with George Sagai at University of Oregon. So he's going to talk about the specifics of that. And I'd love to give him some questions about bullying from our audience. So if you have a chance, go ahead and send those out to me. So until next week, uh, this is Dr. Bill Freya telling you to enjoy your week and talk to us as soon as you can. Bye-bye. We hope you've had some questions about autism answered this week. 
Autism Spectrum Radio can be heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Please join your host, Dr. Bill Freya, for another edition next week. 